Well, it is such a pleasure to have at our platform today not just sharing their voices in song, but sharing their voices and thoughts as well with us during our platform, Doris Justice and Bailey Whiteman. Doris was the organizer with, with other people I know, but um, of We Singers, which was the very first organized chorus at Wes. It was in the mid-90s. I'm told it was the year Sister Act 2 came out. So that's a... a, Sister Act 1, the year Sister Act 1 came out. So that's obviously in our minds as a core American timeline moment. Um, and, uh, And Bailey, of course, serves now as our chorus director. And I am so grateful for all that they have brought in in past years and years now, and for the many who brought music to us in between and will continue to bring music, some of them are in this room today. So I want to start by inviting Doris to come forward and share some words with us. Guess what? This is my first ever platform talk. And I've called it my musical journey. So bear with me. This will be fun, but it's scary too. As I prepare to retire from my day job, bid farewell to my folk music duo of over 31 years, wind down my participation as one of the founders of the World Folk Music Association with Dick Seri, and start my new life in Hawaii, (laughs) I am delighted to share my journey with you my West family. This is not necessarily an order of importance or chronological. (laughs) When I was little, my parents said I sat on the front porch swing in Gaithersburg and continually sang Doris Day's song, Whatever Will Be, Will Be, Que Sera, Sera. I don't remember that. (laughs) And by the way, the same folks who wrote that also wrote the thing to Mr. Ed, the talking horse, of course. (laughs) And Silver Bells, which is one of my favorite Christmas songs. I, I, I love music trivia. Okay, my earliest memory is of picking up the phone when it rang and just singing to whomever was there. It drove my daddy crazy because it was often his boss, Denny Fry. It turns out Denny loved it. I remember that. My fifth grade teacher was also a music teacher. Mrs. Williams, I loved her. And we kept in touch for many, many years. We had music every day back then, and it was wonderful. She left halfway through the year to have a baby and made such an impression on me with her love of kids and music that I still remember those six months that she was my teacher. She was my first mentor on this journey. That fall, I became a Girl Scout, and I was the unofficial song leader. That title has followed me through school and through college to now. Thus was born my love of having folks sing along. Even now, I am a member of a little non-performing group, and we call ourselves the Singing Sisters Circle. We get together to share our lives and just sing with a joyous mix of religious and non-religious songs and hymns. In seventh grade, my new friend, Gail, 
introduced me to Dick Sari's live folk music radio program, Music Americana, and the music of the Chad Mitchell Trio, the folk trio. Gail and I were instantly friends, and she has been with me on this journey ever since. I became a correspondent for Dick's radio show, which resulted in what we later called Notes on Folk. I became his production manager and talent coordinator for his concerts and showcases. And some years later, after college, we reinstated Notes on Folk, and I would still be his on-air correspondent. Until his death in October of 2013, Dick guided me on this journey. 52 years. I miss him so much. I thought that might happen. Among the many wonderful things that Dick did for me, I honor him by saying he brought me Sean McGee for my side-by-side duet. And I will never, ever forget that. That's the crowning glory, if you will, of my music career. And Dick, Sari, and I have in common our love of folk music, and in particular the folk group, as I said, the Chad Mitchell Trio. When John Denver replaced Chad in 1965, he broke the hearts of Gail and Doris. We love John, too. Teenagers are very fickle. (laughs) Many of you know that Sean and I love John's music, and it is that common thread that created Side by Side. In 1986, I surprised Dick Sari at his first annual fundraiser concert, which I produced for him, and there were 24 after that, by reuniting the Chad Mitchell Trio, who had not been together for 21 years. That's my 15 minutes of fame. Sean and I have been blessed to be on stage since then with the trio more than any other performers, and we were part of their last concert here near in Bethesda in November last year, 2014. After more than 50 years and after one member passed away, my dear sweet friend Joe Fraser, in 2014, the trio has bid farewell. In my sophomore year in high school, I was chosen to be in the so-called elite choir as opposed to the chorus. It was really an honor, but it did set me apart from Gail and many of my friends There were only 12 of us in the choir. Gail became a member of the choir in the senior year and accompanied us on the piano. For those three years, Mrs. Mary Cross Huntley at Montgomery Blair in Silver Spring guided me further on my journey. Beyond the choir, I became her assistant, and in my senior year, Gail and I became what were called practice teachers for the beginning chorus, yet another elite honor in the music department. I learned so much from Mrs. Huntley, but the amount of time spent in the music department took a toll on my social life. I had none. Gail had none. I kept my grades up and graduated with a scholarship to Salisbury State Teachers College, which is now, you know, Salisbury University. I even led and sang the high school anthem at our graduation. I did miss out on a lot that my friends were doing, but I was happy, and I loved working with Mrs. Huntley. When I got to college, I learned that the music major was not in place as promised and would not be for the four years that I would be there. 
I got my degree in elementary ed and mourned the loss of my degree in music. Had to move on, so I did. All the while, I was learning to play the guitar and learning popular and traditional folk songs and devotedly listening to Dick Serry's program. And I dreamed of being a music teacher and a director somehow, someday. So having never performed with my guitar for an audience, suddenly I was doing that at college. And after a few shaky leg performances, I was off and running. I soon had gigs all over campus, Salisbury, and other towns in the area. I never stopped. I have gigged from freshman year until now. Fast forward to 1984, as I meet Sean McGee, and we become Dick Serry's house band for his concerts and his showcases, and we continue that role until July, just this past. One of our first gigs was right here, platform, December 1984. A few years after, I was a member of both ethical societies, Northern Virginia and here, and my friend Suzanne Parrish and I saw the movie Sister Act. It was with Whoopi Goldberg, taking over and directing a choir of nuns. You see that? Yeah. It was so funny and heartwarming. I loved it. I told her that I dreamed of directing a course and had not done that. She immediately contacted Don Montagna, you know the rest. And before I knew it, I was the first director of the chorus at West. I had hardly gotten home from the movie when Don called and was working out just how we would do it in a month for platform in the fall. I was terrified, sorry about that, terrified and excited to say the least. We set up a table, and 25 people signed up. It was just the best several years. Then it was decided at West that we needed a director who played the piano. I didn't. Not long after that, I found myself directing the chorus at Noves. Now we call it Noves Singers. So even without the requisite piano skills I would have gotten as a music major at college, I had my dream come true to direct. By the way, Betty Hilton was my first accompanist. Do you remember Betty? Some of you do. She was the first accompanist for the, for the course here. Okay, now we're going to go a different way. Mommy told me that I would regret my decision to quit the piano, and I have. <laughs> I never really learned to play. I can pick out notes, mostly this hand, and I can play chopsticks. Mommy wanted me to have a real job, and singing and playing the guitar was not a real job. She made me promise I would always have a job, a day job, and I always have had that. The same year I discovered Dick's radio program and met Gail, my sister and I got guitars for Halloween. <laughs> we came home from school, and there they were right on our beds. I was thrilled. As I promised not to make a living with my music, Daddy and Mommy gave us guitars. And a few years later, when mine just fell off the wall hanger, never hang a guitar on the wall. She, my sister, and I walked through a snowstorm, Mommy's idea, to get me a new one. 
Later, after Daddy died, she became my best fan and went to all my gigs until she was gone. It's a wonderful memory for me and for Sean when we first started out with Side by Side. Her sisters, Aunt Ella and Aunt Grace, always supported my music, even when Mommy didn't and Daddy did. And when I needed a nicer guitar, bought me a beautiful one, insisted on paying a lot of money for it. When I would have been fine with anything, I'd have been happy. My family's the best. I dreamed of someday doing music full-time and touring and such, but never wanted to let Mommy down. Now that she's been gone for several years, I still honor that promise, at least until I retire soon. (laughs) Then all bets are off. I owe a lot to my former spouse, Powell, as he has always and still does encourage me and pushes me to keep my music going. When I was really down one night, we were facing several crises in his family. I sat in a corner on the floor of our mobile home and wrote my song, Trying to Sing, which for some reason I didn't put in the platform today. I just didn't think of it. But anyway, I thought things were the worst they could be that night. And I then learned one of those pesky life lessons. Things can be worse than you think. And they can even get worse. And it always gets better. That gets me through a lot of bad things. One of the best and greatest honors was directing the We Singers at West. It was indeed a dream come true. I will always remember Suzanne and how she told Don, and it happened so quickly. My head was spinning. I owe both of them a lot for the part of my journey which led me here today. I was an honorary member, a title that Don and Susan Baggett, she's the former leader at Novess, came up with for the first few years. And then I became a full member of both. I could not make a choice. When I am in Hawaii, I will be missing all my West and Novess friends and remembering the great times we've had together. As I close today, I want to remind you that though my plans have shifted, I won't be leaving until the spring. I hope I will spend time with my friends, you all, and be happy, and you will be happy to have me here just a little bit longer. Okay? I want to finish what's turned out to be complicated dental work here in the mainland before I go to Hawaii. And just sort of love my dentist here. You know, you can't, can you really love a dentist? But just sort of love him. And I don't want to go on with the treatment somewhere else. So that's it. Thank you all. Thank you for all these years of friendship and family. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Keep folk music alive and a song in your heart. Aloha. I know none of you who know Doris better than I are surprised that she's a tough act to follow. (laughs) 
So I wonder if you remember the first song you learned to sing, the first one you knew by heart. What language was it in? Can you hear it now? In the morning when you are awake, sing a song. And in the evening when you are asleep, dream a song. All the songs you sing to me make my heart sing too. Darling child, when I'm with you, I dream all my dreams on you. This might not have been the first song that I sang by heart, but it is the oldest song I remember. My mother would sing it to me. And it's still one of my favorites. For what it says about love and about the essential nature of singing. I sang all growing up, from my first time on stage when I was probably seven, and I sang at camp. And it was a day camp, and they asked for volunteers. I don't remember all the details, but I can picture myself on the stage. And the closing number was, So long, farewell, Alvita, say goodbye. And there I was. Everyone had left, one by one, just like you remember it in the movie, perhaps. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. And I walked off stage slowly as I sang. But I don't remember being frightened at all. And then I went and switched schools, and from then, that was second grade, through high school, I sang in chorus every year. And I learned not only musicianship, but commitment, uh, community, being part of something larger than myself. Alison Krogan, who's a fantasy writer, says, And all meet in singing, which braids together the different knowings into a wide and subtle music, the music of living. So what does it, does it mean to us here to be a community where all are invited to sing? When I began my work here four years ago, more than a few people said to me, oh, Wes isn't a singing congregation. <laughs> and I said, okay, because... That's what you say politely when people tell you things that you're supposed to know about your new job. But pretty quickly I learned that wasn't exactly true. Not only did I, of course, learn about Doris and about the beginning of choral singing here and about Mari Breen Rothman and Joe London and then Melody Feather's contributions to keeping that chorus growing and thriving, I learned little stories like when Don Montagna finally decided he needed to sing in public. Some of you remember. And I know that he was always an enthusiastic supporter of music, as was Mary and as is Amanda. So this wasn't quite true, and yet it was, because I would lead songs, and I 
saw uncertainty. And over time, now, we are a community that sings. I can tell you from standing at the front of the room when I go to lead a song. I invite you to sing. And I get back an answer. And the answer is full and loving. It's excited and gracious. It's a tremendous experience. I do encourage any of you who love to sing, even if you don't feel you have the time for chorus, if you'd like to think about being a song leader, let me know. It's an amazing thing to do for us. Now, as many of you may know, music was important from the beginning of ethical culture. In his founding address in 1876, Felix Adler had this to say about music. And were it not for music, that divine comforter, which sometimes wins us to higher flights of emotion and speaks in its own wordless language of an ideal beauty and harmony, far transcending the prosy aspirations to which we confess, our life would be utterly blank and colorless. Later, he goes on to say, and what the speaker fails to express, what no language that was ever spoken on earth can express, those nameless yearnings of the soul for something better and happier far than aught we know of, music will give them utterance and solve and soothe them. And perhaps said more simply by E.Y. Harburg, who wrote the lyrics for many songs and musicals, including The Wizard of Oz and Finian's Rainbow, words make you think. Music makes you feel. A song makes you feel a thought. So as you can see, the founding address included many ideas about music and many other ideas, including one about the importance of the lecture. And sometimes we get into lofty thoughts, and music can get lost. But we really need music in our lives and as part of our community. So one of the things I learned a while back and refreshed my memory on, with some handy-dandy internet research, was that unison singing causes people's hearts to become entrained it actually causes people's hearts to synchronize. So researchers in Sweden published a study in 2013, and they studied the different ways that people could sing together. They had them read something, and they were measuring them the whole time, breath sensors, heart sensors. So they're reading something for a few minutes. Then they hum together for a few minutes. Breathe when you need to. Then they sang something in unison. It was actually a chant that they created for this study. And it had clear spots where you were supposed to breathe. Then they reversed the process and went back to the humming and to the reading. And what they learned was that when everyone sang together in unison and breathed together, although initially their hearts were beating at different rates, very quickly 
They didn't get close. They basically started breathing and heart beating exactly together. So singing actually is a form of meditation when we do it together. It is a way to slow ourselves down, to relax, to ground ourselves. It's good for us. Now, as you know, singing together also makes us stronger. It's part of how we say to each other and to the world who we are as a community. And one of the ways we take that out into the world, and many people from other traditions do as well, is by singing together in protest, in solidarity. So we sing at rallies and at marches, bonding for a common cause. The civil rights movement of the 60s produced many, many songs of significance that spoke to people's hearts, that invigorated them, that kept people going through the hard work. Music about the earth, about caring for the earth, the essential nature of environmental justice. This movement has also produced amazing and remarkable music. Most recently, I was introduced, I'm embarrassed to say I was introduced at this late date since he's been performing for decades, but I was introduced to the work of Michael Franti and his song, Same As It Ever Was, which he wrote after Ferguson exploded. And at the end of the refrain, he says, it's same as it ever was. Better start today. And when I listen to that song, I think, this is the power of singing, that we do this together. I'm not a lonely voice. Vera Nazarian says in the Perpetual Calendar of Inspiration, a choir, or community of singers, I would say, is made up of many voices, including yours and mine. If one by one all goes silent, then all that will be left are the soloists. Don't let a few determine the nature of the sound. It makes for poor harmony and diminishes the song. This is a call. This is an invitation to all of us to sing. It's an invitation to sing here, to sing in the chorus, if you'd like to. We always have room for more, particularly when I note that Doris started with 25, and I have about 25 people on my roster now, so I aspire to more. Please make that possible. I hope I've convinced you that singing isn't for the few, that it isn't just when we really feel we need to, but all the time, every day, with the people we love here in community. One final quote from young adult writer Ali Condi. Writing painting, singing. It cannot stop everything, cannot halt death in its tracks, but perhaps it can make the pause between death's footsteps sound and look and feel beautiful.
can make the space of waiting a place where you can linger without as much fear. For we are all walking each other to our deaths. And the journey there between footsteps makes up our lives. So please sing. We're all invited. <laughs>